Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the Geet Kosla podcast. We took a break over the summer, but now we're back uh, in a whamping new studio, thanks to uh, Podemok in Copenhagen. Um, and yeah, the, the, the concept of the show is the same. We sit down, I try, I try to sit down with some amazing people who are inspirational, who I find uh, lead exceptional lives. And uh, yeah, I just want to have a great conversation with them. So with this episode, we were lucky to have uh, Jonas. He is one of the founders of, of Prologue Coffee. Um, they are, in my opinion, one of the best coffee roasters, cafes in the world. The, the team is amazing, Jonas and Sebastian and Bo, uh, the three owners that I know. I think there might be someone else involved who I don't really know personally that well. But uh, the team is very, very great and the people are very, very down to earth. I had originally planned to have both Jonas and Sebastian sort of who operate uh, Prologue day to day on the podcast. Uh, but as is the way of running uh, running a brick and mortar, running a hospitality company, sometimes things come up and Sebastian wasn't able to make it. He will be on the pod later for sure. I'm going to hold him to it. And and he brings a very different opinion and different point of view uh, to sort of, you know, the, what what they're doing a prologue and and Jonas himself is is a deep thinker and he's also uh been uh, the three-time barista champion of Denmark if I'm not if I'm not wrong and and he's well, you know really really someone who you'll see very quickly um thinks about things a little bit differently as well as at a very deep level um so me and Jonas had a great conversation we covered a variety of topics ranging from jazz all the way to you know, how he sees his team and and the, and the management and the company as a band, and um, you know all the way, of course, to the coffee and competing at uh, the Barista Championships, uh, and you know there's uh, also some some very interesting conversations around sustainability in there and and how he and Prolog think of, think of that. So um, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in on the podcast again, and and I'm sure you can enjoy this conversation with um, Jonas Gale. Thank you so much, guys. Take care. Hey Jonas, how you? <laughs> How's it Good going, man? Very well, very well, very well. I look cool. forward to to this uh, conversation today. Yeah, me too. And uh, thanks for the coffee, first of all. Of course, of course, it's, my uh, pleasure. What are we What are we drinking? If you don't mind. Um, yeah, this is an Ethiopian coffee. Um, it's um, so it's a, it's a it's a quite floral tea-like coffee from uh, Yegeshev in Ethiopia. Wash coffee. Yeah. Is that is that a is that a estate name, Yegeshev? Or uh, it's actually and the name of the area where where this coffee is from. Very cool. And then it's um, it's produced by a collaborative of, of coffee farmers. Uh, I think there are more than a thousand farmers actually delivering to this um, cooperative. <coughs> and um, and then this this specific um, unity Chelsea is just very very good at producing um, very clean um, um, coffees with a lot of flavor. Um, and yeah, so. coffee guys talk about clean coffee a lot. Yeah, could you like what does that mean? Um, so yeah, how can I best describe it? I think it's it's very much if you if you if you if you think about a strawberry, um, and that can have like a, a very clean strawberry flavor, but it can also have some off flavors. Like it can, if it's um, if it's getting a little bit old, it can taste a little bit moldy, or uh, you know, can taste. Uh, um, you know, dry off in some ways, some subtle ways. Um, but I think it's more, it's more like that kind of 
you can feel it's either getting like old or moldy kind of flavor, uh, which is quite difficult to detect in normal coffees because because it's so dark roasted, right? When we get the lighter roast, it really becomes very very clear, um, and it's really mm, at least at least if you work with it, it's very easy to to detect the cleanness of of the coffee in that way. So I would just say like um, it's it's you can also say it's a, it's a coffee uh, cherry or coffee bean that is just very um, uniform and not damaged in any way, really, that, that produces the, the clean taste. And I guess that's harder to do, right? Um, yeah, 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 it is. Because if you think about look, how, how easy it is to damage like a strawberry, for example, um, and you always get a, 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 um, a, when you get strawberries, there's always some that's damaged, right? Um, and, 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 and that's, I think it's, it's the same as you get carrots or if you get potatoes, it's always these kind of off, um, of units in, 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 in the crate that you're getting. And uh, it's the same with coffee. It's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's agricultural product, really. So, so yeah, it's the same thing. Um, but you just can't see it when you buy the coffee because it's been uh, roasted, right? So they look all the same. Yeah, and I think what's, what's always been interesting for me in my sort of journey of being a coffee consumer mm. and now, like, involved a little bit in the industry, not, not much, yeah. um, it's, it's kind of... The diversity of crap <laughs> you <laughs> have in, like in the industry, uh, or at least like I've yeah. been to some cafes, uh, this really big chain, uh, like rhymes with uh, nunchucks, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Starbucks, uh, yeah. fucking assholes. Uh, like I mean, they're they're really good business people, but the coffee, mm. it tastes consistently bad mm. everywhere yeah. in the world, in yeah. India, in in Europe, in the U.S. Right. Um, and then I think I, I, I walked into, um, I think maybe not 11 years ago, maybe 12, into mm -hmm. Caffeine in London. Mm -hmm. Right, cool. Um, where tiny little cafe, mm -hmm. I mean, some quite similar in some ways to Prologue in mm -hmm. terms of the sort of energy or the vibe of the place. Sure. And and uh, there's this guy, I think he was from New Zealand, if I'm correct. Um, Peter, I think. Peter, yeah, Peter. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, Peter, I think. And... And he just like looked at you in the eye and said, "Hey, welcome! And yeah. what can we get you?" And I was like, right. "Okay." Yes. <laughs> First yes. of all, that's already different because normally, you know, right. people are not in as engaging um, in yeah. most places. Yeah. And you could see that there was a such a high level mm. of quality, right. you know. Um, and I remember getting a flat white there, at the f my first flat white ever, uh, and I just was mm. like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> like. This is a different sensation. Like, yeah. I'm tasting, you mm -hmm. know, strawberry, mm -hmm. or I'm tasting plum, or mm -hmm. you know, tea, or I mean, it's like right. everything besides, like, mm -hmm. you know, burnt. What you thought? Yeah, coffee was exactly. Yeah. And I said, like, okay, this is crazy. And and ever since then, I kind of just sort of fell down the rabbit hole of specialty coffee. And mm. my parents and my family and f close friends have been making fun of me for spending. <laughs> Yeah. way too much money such yeah. <laughs> as you know it's just coffee it's just coffee <laughs> exactly um, but your journey to coffee is quite unique right because I think you've told me more than once yeah you you didn't really like you're not a coffee fan um, or maybe that's the wrong words but you didn't get into coffee until quite late or mm. tell me about your tell me how you got into it right um, I think I think it's a good point you're raising there. Like I think I think most of us who work in coffee today has had this kind of coffee epiphany and some kind of a revelation where we kind of like we could never go back. Like there's a before and after that experience. We just can't look at coffee the same way. Um, 
And I definitely also had one of those experiences. So in that way, I, I think I'm not unique in any way. Um, and, but yeah, how did I actually get into coffee? It's 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 very. I think it's very. It's been a very like a process, really. So it's not like, um, it's not like I I wouldn't say like I decided okay this is it. Um, it happened gradually. Um, it, I think it all everything starts um, to me with with uh, my, my, me playing music back in the days, and I spent a lot of time doing that really, and like just. Uh, investigating that a lot and spending all my hours doing that. Um, try to perfect it. Um, I played jazz music, drums um, uh, mostly. Um, and um, at some point I just, um, I, 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 in a way I got fed up with practicing, um, which I think um, unfortunately happens to a lot of uh, musicians um, at some point. And I wasn't really able to to um, to balance that, I think. Um, so I had to like quit music at least playing the, the drums from one day to the to the other and that gave me this huge uh, vacuum where i didn't know what to spend my time with and that was i think it was, I was around 19 20 years old um so it's like 12 years ago now um and i filled that gap with uh, food and wine so that was my next obsession you could say um um, so I just read everything I could. I, I, you know, I had, I had, I, I, I'm very easily, I very easily get obsessed with things. So, um, I would just have a week where I was only making different kind of, um, stocks, you know, then I would make wheel stock, then I'll make, uh, like beef stock, chicken stock, uh, vegetable stock, just to kind of lock that in, you know, and then I would do, uh, I could spend a whole day doing a five five dinner course just and I and and just doing that and then so every day was kind of then I just tried to perfect that kind of thing and that like then I got obsessed with wine uh, as a natural um, evolution um, and then I moved to Copenhagen to study philosophy um, and did that for half a year and like I couldn't really see what I sh- what I what I should do with that really it became very very like uh, um, uh, not very, not practical enough, not pr- pragmatic enough. Um, even though it was a, a very interesting subject, and 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 I enjoyed it in some ways, but I really missed that hands-on feeling. And then I started working in the cafe, um, and I um, I work a, a space called Emery's. It's a bakery coffee chain uh, that used to be really, really good, really high standard. Um, founded by uh, uh, Pierre Brun, uh, uh, one of the best chefs uh, at that time, back in '96. Um, and it was taken over by soon after I started by by by, by new owners and and, um, and then I got a store manager there and like I felt like the product was deteriorating and I tried to uh, I think didn't think that was good enough so I started doing coffee courses and I was managing the store also and it ended up being four years and it was during this time that I had that epiphany so I think like three years in I went to a cafe in Aarhus it was called Cafe and Cafe and Co. Back then, I don't think it exists anymore. Um, it was guy Emil who uh, works for Le Capra now. Um, he brewed me this coffee, and that was like 22 years old or something, 22, 23, I guess. And it was it was actually a coffee from Jägerchef, I remember, a natural processed coffee. So it was like very a lot of so it's it's that that means it's been fermented with the skin on, dried with the skin on, so you get a lot of um, of fruit flavors, very sweet fruit flavors. And that exactly tasted like blueberry. 
and 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 I remember he had to do the shot again because it wasn't measuring the exact way he wanted it, uh, and those kind of. Uh, but but it was really the taste that, that that stuck with me, and and then I realized, okay, um, I enjoy this job of managing a, a cafe. Um, I can I can use my senses in some way. I can use like my handcraft. Um, when you make coffee, it's it's a very much like a craftsmanship, right? So that so you, I think the, the 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 trinity of those things really um, really made sense to me. And also, I didn't need to uh, work at night like you had to if you work in a restaurant. And, and I didn't didn't want to be like um, you know half drunk every night, which you very easily get if you work with wine. Uh, was at least my experience. And then so it's just it it just seemed like this is actually a, like there's a career here to be um, to to go for. Um, so, so yeah, that's what really, I, I don't like, I don't like, I don't know if it's really, if it's really unique. Um, I think it's, I think it's maybe not but, that unique, but yeah, but, but I think it's also kind of interesting because like in some ways we had a very similar experience. I went to a great craftsman and tried yeah. uh, his, his coffee yeah. and so did you. Uh, but I guess there was something that attracted you to say okay i'm going to commit my career to this right at mm-hmm. least and 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 because when and i think that's ki- that's quite it's quite telling when a kind of a career finds you mm-hmm. you know because because mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of people who are uh you know some of people some of the people listening are are entrepreneurs some of them are you know in various industries and i think many people feel lost mm-hmm. a lot in right. life right Right and and it's like okay you want to find the right career you want to go down the right journey and and what's the, the highest impact you know, whatever you think about mm. um, those words mean to you mm. sometimes it just finds you mm. yeah <laughs> and sometimes it just fits yes, right and yes, and, yes. and 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 not necessarily that doesn't mean you were looking for it yeah you didn't say oh I want to have a career in coffee mm. it kind of gradually found you is that is that a good assumption or yeah, I think I think especially what you're saying about it, it's a good fit. I really because um, I think it didn't, uh, and that's I think that's probably what you also um, was was um, was pointing at that that it, it didn't have to be coffee. Um, I think coffee is kind of um, it's a good fit, but it didn't have to be coffee. Like I think the 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 bedrock of me is more like. Um, the bedrock in this way is is in a way more my musical background, and also I think really my my tendency to think a lot, mm. um, and I think that was really what I, what I started off with, like the music and 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 the you know thinking part, and and that just worked really well with coffee, but it also works really well for me with the management, um, so. So yeah, and we've we've I think now been what is it like twelve minutes in, ten minutes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should introduce who you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and uh, I know you because I've been to your bar, your coffee bar, maybe I don't know at least a few hundred times. <laughs> yeah, uh, and we actually met because uh, you were I think you were at um, Democratic. Democratic. That's where. Uh, that's yeah. when we first met. Yeah, uh, because I was recommended Democratic. Uh, by a Twitter, um, when when Twitter had an app called Periscope, which was like a live yeah. uh, Twitter live thing, Rene Redzepi was on there like talking about like where are the best places to go, oh, and really? he asked a friend called Malcolm 
his his uh, pastry chef at the time, oh, yeah, yeah, Malcolm yeah. Livingston the second is his name. Yeah. Uh, like, where's the best croissants in in uh, Copenhagen? I think yeah. this is 2015 or something or 16. Hmm. And he said, "Oh, democratic, like right. for sure." And I said, "Okay, I have to go there." Yeah. <laughs> so I just went there for a weekend uh, when I was visiting uh, my then girlfriend and uh, now wife um, in Copenhagen. And I kind of walked walked in, and Malcolm was sitting there. Okay, nice. <laughs> I said, "Hey, I'm here because of you," yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and we've we've become uh, you know acquaintances and, and friends over the over the over the years. But and that's when we met as well, mm-hmm. because I think you were working behind the bar with mm-hmm. a few other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, along with your partners, run Prologue, right. uh, which right. is, in my opinion, one of the best coffee bars in the world. It's, thank you thank you very much it's really good and it. and uh you guys also really focus on it seems to be the right things at least what i think are the right things mm-hmm. um before we get into sort of how prologue came to be mm-hmm. um i think it could be really fun to 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 double double click a little bit more on on this connection, you know, with music and, and you said obsession, you said thinking a lot, mm-hmm. uh, those words were, were said earlier, uh, to the kind of bar you guys run, mm-hmm. um, or the kind of, you know, roastery and, and, and cafe mm-hmm. and business you guys run. Um, could you talk a little bit about like what connections do you see happening? And then we can talk, we can dive a bit into different aspects of, of Prologue. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think <clears throat> so. This is something that I've become more and more um, conscious about. Um, that I think I wasn't really in the beginning, or um, um, and how, how how these things are connected. Um, but when you do whatever thing you do, or if you're uh, making a company. Um, you have you have your product and you have like the company but then you also have um a vision behind it right and and some ideas that you want to unfold in this in this um organism whatever your company organi- organization and um it's very that's something that you don't like you don't you don't really see that often right you see the product and see the faces of the people and then um um, but you don't see what what what's behind it, um, where I really see the connection today um, with what with the with the music and the thinking is that at least how how um, how I do my job in Prologue, which is um, I, I'm um, I'm ch- in charge of staff, um, for example. So I have a, a, I'm in charge of like the, the organization and, and staff in that way. So, um, so, 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 so how, how is that connected? Um, and that very much come back to, to whatever I did when I played music a lot and listened to music. Um, and, and, and in that way, to me at least, and I think to us, um, it's really, that's really what you what you what you see with in, in, unfolding prologue really comes from yeah, from, comes from that point you know from from how do you collaborate if you were playing in a band for example how are you how are you listening to each other how were you um, how are you making something that sounded great 
So that's one thing. And then the other thing is, is, is that we can, we can go much more into that. Mm. Um, and then the other thing is really, um, what is the, what is like, um, something I think is very, very much up in the air today is, um, what is, um, the ethics of the company in a way, right? Um, and that also really is, you know, that's not an easy, easy question to answer really. And it's not an easy mm, proposition to make for your company. What is the ethics in this company? Uh, so how should we act? Um, what's a good way to act? What's a bad way to act? Um, um, and, um, so, so, so you can either just like say, ah, we don't care about this. We just care about our product and, you know, we're going to have fun. It can be like this kind of, you can turn it into this kind of hedonistic product or a hedonistic company in a way, right? <clears throat> but you can also, uh, you know, choose other pathways. You can say, no, uh, the most important thing is to care about the environment, environment, or the most important thing is to care about uh, so social, um, you know, um, um, equity or you know, impact in some sort, <clears throat> which is also good. But 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 when is when is then when is what is what is then the the right way to act here? And and that in that way, I think it just becomes very. And I think this is something that we think a lot about in Prolog, and we've always thought a lot about. Um, but I don't think it's, um, and I guess it's something that, that, I hope it's something that all companies think about, at least. You can come to different conclusions on what, on what, on what you believe then, but, but um, it just becomes more and more clear for me that all that we do is really like, it's connected to that thinking um, in the first place. And it's connected to that, you know, um, at least in my background, I think we have different backgrounds in Prologue, obviously. So there's more things that 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 impacts. But but to me, that that really affects how I how I look at the team and and how we interact. So um, so both things we can go much more into. But like yeah. that's the, the yeah. beginning but, of it. But let's. <coughs> I think I think it's. Uh, I, I'm definitely interested in sort of the management part. You mentioned you. Um, you you sort of have orchestrated. Or I said orchestrated. I don't. <laughs> you sort of uh, brought yeah. the team together like a band a little bit. Can you talk a bit more about that? Like, what do you mean by that? And and the reason before you get into it, mm -hmm. I I really do think that like every time I've been to Prologue, like from my perspective, the people are are really are really nice. First of all, like everyone is very kind and sweet and and um, you know considerate. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But I, but also I think the consistency of the product mm -hmm. is quite quite impressive because as you know um so many of the times your favorite cafe is your favorite barista it's mm -hmm. it's the person making the coffee who's very consistent and a good craftsman and does it really well mm -hmm. um uh and you can take that to the highest level mm -hmm. like like a son stilla in in ohus you can mm -hmm. sort of do you know, to the highest level of being kind of a great craftsman, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but in a place where there's multiple people making the coffee, you know, do working in the roastery, doing everything else that you do in running a business, mm -hmm. uh, how do you ensure the consistency is good? Mm -hmm. um, and 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 at least from the me as a consumer's perspective, like the consistency in, at 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 Prologue has has been pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, more than most places, and I think. Um, yeah. So talk about how talk about how the how you bring the team together and and how do you actually organize that whole thing? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think it's a good question with that consistency. Um, I'll see if I can if I can answer answer that as well. Um, but I think <clears throat> because it's part of I mean, mm-hmm. like we can talk about blah blah high level shit. Mm-hmm. But at the end at the end of the, at the end of the day, right? You want to attract people who want to work in coffee, mm-hmm. <laughs> people who are passionate about it. I would imagine, mm-hmm. and people who are interested in coming to an organization mm-hmm. like like yours. Mm-hmm. So it's also a matter of attracting the right people and making sure that you know they're spending the majority of their lives mm-hmm. working exactly, you know, exactly at least for the whatever period they work um mm-hmm. with you guys mm-hmm. uh so i guess there's also a little bit of responsibility there right um oh yeah and sure. i think and i think um at least the, the conversations we've had off camera and, and and offline before before this chat it's always like surprised me how much you care about that <laughs> yeah, okay. it's in, in a way because it's like you know no offense to anybody it's it's a cafe mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um but clearly you don't think about it just as like a place where you come and serve coffee mm-hmm. there's a lot more happening right and it shows clearly in the product mm-hmm. but i think it also shows at least for me in the people you bring mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. right yeah. so can you talk a bit about how you attract those kind of people and then and not just like attracting them but how do you like mm-hmm. build the team that yeah. you've built yeah 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 um so again i think the easiest way to answer it is by taking this uh, band analogy um because if you think about a band um everyone needs to be alert 100% of the time like at least when you're playing the kind of um jazz music rhythmical music and but also classical music for sure right uh, there's some differences but 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 you need to be like 100% in in the in the now um and then the question is how how can you how, how can you facilitate that for people how 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 can you, how can you make them want to be present with what they're doing um and 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 then i think it's kind of like a um so that, that's really where it starts um think about how how can you be how can you how can you facilitate something where they want to be present and if you think about like a band um you want to be present if it sounds good right if you and you you feel you're part of it um and So that I guess that's the that's the second layer. And then you and then want to like learn how to play the instrument, um, which is which is then the third layer. So you can actually make something that sounds great. Um, so you also need to be able to facilitate that. Um, but <clears throat> and then it goes to like the next layer. Then you want like a good manager in the shop that can that can teach you that and 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 kind of you know show show the level of where we are. And, and and so that's i guess like the fourth layer um and then and then you suddenly at the management level right so then you need that manager to also have the tools and again like the 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 desire to really want to be present with what the person is doing um and then and then that kind of kind of goes back to i guess um uh, like the uh, the management um, of of the whole company So that's that's one thing. Um but but then 
um, when, when, when this is happening, you know, you have multiple people who can like, um, who can do a job really well, um, and they have the, the tools to do it, then, then you can start to like, um, play around with it and have fun with it. Um, and, and, um, then you need to know, okay, what, and then that gets a little bit like, you know, then you're improvising something together, like then you're in a band and, and, and then, then the next question is, how are you gonna, how are you gonna, um, how are we going to work together? How are we going to play this music? So then you need to have some kind of structure that could be like the, in, in the musical, that would be like the, 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 the tune, like on a sheet, right? That you're, that you're revolving around and there's different chords, you know, that could be like, this is a morning rush and this is like how we make espresso. So there's <laughs> multiple layers. Um, and then, and then, so then you, you need to have that locked in as well. And then finally you need to, to have like the, the big vision of the company in a way where 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 wherein this is all unfolding. Um, so you know, okay, on a higher level, we're also moving in the right direction. Um, and so so that for, to us would be we have a we have a culture book that we don't try to make it pretty formalized, but we also just have um, but but it's, it's something that's also in 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 a way difficult to really formalize because um, it's something very. Um, mm, something very so it's very it's very human thing. So basically, our our big vision in Prologue is to to um, to give our guests a great experience. That's what we um, what we repeat to ourselves all the time, and um, and 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 I guess that's really the the bedrock or the starting point. <laughs> and then from here, this this vision that that's where all these things are unfolding back to the to the um, uh, down to the customer or up to the customer, how you want to call it. Um, but um, but I think um, um, so that, that's that's one way of putting it in a musical way. Um, and another way you can you can you can look at it is is how we have kind of made our we have a kind of an organization. Um, 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 a scheme um, where we really see the people who work in the company as as the band; mm. they are really the the stars. And then we have um, then we have some band leaders also, but they also actually are part of the band. Wait, wait one second. You said something. So so people who work in the company; mm. they're the band. So mm. they're the stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's already different. Yeah, than it is. most organizations, because yeah, because it's the opposite. The guys on top are the stars. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But then now it's me who sit here right today. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess you know. But I think kind of counter uh, counter that. But no, but I think I think it's also a matter of like within the organization, hmm. right? Like we're we're talking here today because you can talk about all of it because you've orchestrated it. Yeah, and along with Sebastian and, and Bo and whoever else is involved in in the management team. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the fact that within the organization, y- you know, you treat the people who work um, at the bar mm-hmm. or in the roastery as kind of one, like the main part. Mm-hmm. That's that's. I don't think most most hospitality places are like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's that's already kind of what I mean is interesting. Of course, I'm talking to you because I'm interested in understanding how this all came together. Yeah, and and where you want to go. Uh, 
but I think it is very interesting that you know you sort of that band analogy has gone as far as as, as it's gone with you guys. Really cool. Yeah. yeah, and 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 just to kind of um, finish that, it's then then I would more say that Sebastian and me, um, and and Bo, we I, we are more like um, we are owners of of this uh, record label, mm-hmm. you could say, and then we have the producers, which is um, uh, Sebastian and me, um, and then. We're making the strategy, um, all three of us, both Sebastian and me, and and um, my job is really in the company to kind of make sure we carry out this strategy, mm. right? But it's more like in the producing role. So, so I try to really um, step back as much as possible and then let the band play, really. Um, it's okay if you win a few Emmys once in a while, but <laughs> at the end of the day, it's about <laughs> yeah. the band performing every day. It is totally about that. Yeah. It's totally about that because that's that's what makes that's what gives me pleasure at the end of the day. It's it's that's really you know if we can give people that great experience. But then, to me now my my in a way like because because my 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 position has changed from being in the bathroom like morning to close right every day uh, for years. Um, so after having that direct uh, contact with the with the customers, now my my job has changed to be like now our staff is my customers. I need to make sure they having the the greatest time really. Um, and so 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 there's a there is a change there. That's what's um, what's nourishes me in my job today, right? Um, but 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 really, so so how I see it now is that I need to make sure that we have the we have a vision, as it's the same vision that we have always always had, and I need to make sure that 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 that, that the band knows. Uh, uh, what the mission is, and the band leaders also, um, and then I need to step back and really, really listen a lot. I need to kind of pick up on you know um, what's going on in the different parts of the company, um, and that's where I really, really feel that the music comes in, because mm. when you play in a band, um, it's about playing, but it's I think even more about listening. And 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 I think that's really what I spend a lot of time doing. Um, of course, I'm also acting, but but that kind of fine-tuned listening, I think, is is probably what I'm what I'm most um, happy about having learned from music. Something that I, that I feel that 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 you, in order to make something that sounds great, you just need to be the best listener uh, and and, um, and pick up on those things. So. So, and I, I don't know how, and I, I think that's probably where I really don't know if, if you haven't played music, um, um, how that feels um, um, to, to listen that way. I mean, I, I played music as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, played trombone for a few years. Uh, so also, mm-hmm. I love jazz, but also did some classical stuff. Yeah. But it is very much, I agree, like it is about sort of, you know, it's a very small difference between E sharp, E flat, and E. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's, it's not that big of a difference, but it's a huge difference in, oh, yeah. in playing music uh, and what it sounds and feels like, right? And I think it's a very intense way of listening. Yeah. Right. And and I think it's it can be sort of there's analogies to, I mean, you're talking about sort of your um, experience as a musician mm-hmm. uh, translating very uh, directly mm-hmm. <laughs> in some ways. To managing a team of people, mm-hmm. um, 
and and I, and I think and I think it could also be like if you're doing a high level of anything, mm-hmm. whether it's a sport, whether it's you know, mm-hmm. um, whatever in your formative years at a high level, mm-hmm. I think you can probably draw analogies to whatever you do later in life. Oh, for sure. I have that. Fe- I think that makes a lot of sense to me. For sure. Um, the one thing which I'll I'll tell you is that I, <laughs> um, I have so much respect for everybody in the hospitality industry, like mm. b- even before COVID. But during COVID, I mean, you guys have all been through uh, the craziest, whatever, 18 months now that, or 24, whatever, how, whatever we're into the pandemic now. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about how you, as, as Prologue, sort of, as the organization tackled that. Mm-hmm. But before that, um, I, I don't know if you remember, uh, you helped me with the pop-up that I had a couple oh, of yeah, years yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, every everybody who doesn't work in the hospitality industry and likes food or wine or coffee mm-hmm. has a dream. Oh, I want to have a cafe one day. I want to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, have a bar one day. Yeah. <laughs> My dream of having that was shattered yeah. right away. Okay. <laughs> after having after having a pop up for I think it was like ten weeks or something mm-hmm. uh, with a coffee subscription platform that I was running. Uh, what is it? Three years ago now, something like that. Um, because it's just so hard. Mm. Like it's so hard managing people. It's right. so hard. Um kind of being on the ball every day mm-hmm. and i think most people don't realize that right that i think if you That's like 100 true <laughs> every every company every company is just a group of people going in a certain direction together right that's what yeah. it is yeah. there's incentives in there you make more money you yeah. make less money there's a vision yeah. right yeah. as you said yeah. um but in hospitality there's just a lot more people mm-hmm. <laughs> from day one yeah right and and i think um it's it's just so hard. Oh yeah, uh, and it's just I think the more uh, the more light I can shine on that, you know, in my small in my small way, mm-hmm. um, I will because I think like you know we had Matt Orlando uh, last year on the third episode mm-hmm. of the podcast, and and he talked about the margins in the industry, mm-hmm. and and he and in 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 the fine dining industry, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he talked about how low they were, and I said, wait, what? Yeah, like I would never start a business. If the margins are like whatever twenty, thirty, fifteen to thirty percent, mm. and I was like, "What?" Mm. And uh, and yes, maybe there's some people who can find a way of doing more, mm. but clearly the industry, especially in the highest levels, is driven by passion. Mm-hmm. It's driven by, you know, the desire to make something, mm-hmm. you know, unique and push the boundaries a little mm-hmm. bit, right? Mm-hmm. And I definitely want to talk about the coffee because we have some great coffee here. Uh, mm-hmm. I really want you to explain explain it a bit more. We'll come back to that, but. How, I think what I want to touch on is like, first of all, I'm lucky and the, a lot of people in Copenhagen and around the world are lucky that you and Sebastian started Prologue and that was your passion. Um, because I can imagine the first few years and even now you have to deal with a lot of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about a little bit about how, how it was with COVID for you guys. How, how did you, how was the last what is it, a year and a half with COVID? Um, mm. and, and how are you guys today now that you mm. know, things in Denmark at least seem to be a bit more uh, under control? Sure. Um, so our experience with Pro- Prolog was um, very, very, very challenging for the company, first of all, um, but also in some ways um, good for the company. Both, um, I think... Um, 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 so, 
we weren't we we didn't have to close at any point. So that's a big difference from um, from restaurants that weren't suited for takeaway, for example. So I definitely wouldn't put us in the category of the people who was uh, who was uh, damaged the most by this, because we were able to open, and uh, even though we only did takeaway, we were we were a bigger attraction than Tivoli at at that point, right? So we were actually one of the places that you could go and get coffee. So. Uh, we just relied on our basic vision. We want to give our guests a great experience. We have to be there for our guests in these hard times because everyone was kind of, you know, it wasn't easy for anyone really. So we just decided to keep open and, uh, you know, bringing the smiles on and get, you know, bring a little happy to people's lives. Uh, that was, we had to rely on our on our core ideals of how we wanted to run the company. And that, that actually turned out well. So, so... So financially, in that period, it was actually um, fine, fine for us. Um, the problem was really that we had a good start to the, to the, to the to, to Corona in that way, um, and then when you closed out on the second time, we had invested in both more space and more staff, and then when they locked down, locked down the, the second time, that that was difficult because uh, suddenly we have m- much more overhead costs to to cover. So that was. Um, that was that was the like that was the biggest challenge for us, um, but but I definitely wouldn't um, I wouldn't call us victims. I think that would be I, w- I think that would be just straight up wrong if you look at how other companies were um, were operating and then those times. Um, um, and have you come through the pandemic? And we're not we're not done with it yet. It's still around, mm. and, and I guess we're gonna have to live with this virus in some form. Um, but did your organization become like more robust uh, as you've as you've gone through it, or 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 is it that you kind of are like okay, you know, business as usual? Yeah. So I'm I'm very cautious about um, giving too much credit to Corona because I think a lot of these things would have happened anyway. Um, so we can we can end up explaining everything with Corona, mm. um, and I, I don't think that would be really the um, the right way to put it, but some of the things we did do was, um, you know, we just m- finally made the culture, but we finally made, you know, the whole organization organization got much better in the Corona times because um, I don't know if if we had time to. Um, I guess I had time to step a little more back, um, um, simply because when we only served takeaway, we were uh, we 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 had to have one more one more person less on the bar. Because we didn't have to do any dishes, <laughs> yeah. just doing dishes is a full-time position, really. Um, so I think that gave me some time to focus on on, on those things. Um, so in that way, the the whole organization did get better. If would I have done it otherwise, I I, I think I would. So um, so I, I I'm very cautious about like saying okay, Corona just made the whole company better. Um, yeah, but maybe it accelerated some stuff. Yeah. That maybe that's that could be that could be yeah. And I think at least at least in the tech world, that's kind of what's happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that uh, like you know I think I think places like Netflix and places uh, that suit sitting at home, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, online uh, oh, groceries yeah. <laughs> and stuff true. like that. Like those things have sort of had like five maybe ten years worth of growth in a year. Mm. And and so the tech industry is kind of going crazy right now booming okay. and yeah. a lot of for sure for sure uh, i think there's there's a couple of apps that launched uh, during corona mm-hmm. i think gorillas is one of them mm-hmm. that that uh, is 
it's a unicorn already like yeah. and it's and i think in that it's a different world the tech world is you know yeah. is known for being fast yeah. uh but i think um certain parts of the tech world uh have have benefited very much from corona oh yeah yeah, yeah for uh, sure that's right in their uh, ellie yeah exactly that's so, for sure yeah so i think I, so i think it's kind of it's kind of also uh you know a crisis i think i think i um i saw i saw a tweet from um someone in the tech world uh, his name is paul graham mm-hmm. he's the founder of y combinator um which is a, a tech accelerator and he's and he sort of uh, his tweet was like during times of crisis uh, you know al- some people figure out a way mm-hmm. and improve the entire industry mm-hmm. he's like it happened in world war 2 it also happened in corona now yeah, yeah. to a, to a lesser extent of course but it has or, or to a bigger extent because there's a lot more people doing a lot more stuff oh yeah um but i think let's shift gears it's, yeah it's uh and 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 just uh, and talk about coffee <laughs> yeah for a second because uh, we have these awesome bags here and whoever's on watching the video on youtube can see it um but i really want to talk about the different kinds of coffees you mm-hmm. guys have uh normally uh, and how is it that you think about the whole i i guess what's the best way of calling because you never have one coffee you always have multiple mm-hmm. uh and how do you think about that and 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 also there's a very special coffee here i think right uh that peter was involved with oh yeah, yeah um uh so just talk about how you sort of uh, your coffee mm. menu i guess uh, and how does that come up uh, and and how often does it change and and, and a bit a bit about that if you don't mind mm-hmm. okay so um so then we need to go back to the the, the core vision again and uh, you know give our guests an amazing experience and what does that mean in a prologue um, when you talk about the, the flavor of the coffee um, and, and and very shortly it means that it has to be first and foremost tasty but also um, sense evoking at the same time that's kind of the ideal um, taste what do you mean by sense evoking so that you you can um so that you experience that you taste something that is not so, not something that you just um you know uh, digest and metabolize in a way or so it's not something that just happens to you that you actually wakes up in a in a in a short moment at least that's what we're going for maybe it doesn't happen all the time but we we're trying to think how can we de- deliver the best experience in 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 the coffee we serve and we don't think it's it's enough that it's tasty because that's that's like um sugar is tasty but um it's not it's not that's not good enough so if you had like a a, a, a complex tasting cake that was also tasty uh that would be better right and that's kind of where because it 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 activates your senses in a different way um so 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 that's really um needs to have both components so that's what we um that's what we think about when we think about um um both the the sourcing of the green coffee and how we roast it and how we brew it and how we present it also but um so the coffees we 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 select they um they need to be tasty and they need to have the potential of being sense evoking at the same time um and and just how how does that work um like because i have no idea right yeah, about yeah. the green so th- so like if if we just go from the green bean yeah on the way up mm-hmm. how do second. you do that like how how do second. you choose better coffee versus a sense evoking coffee versus not yeah exactly 
Um, so I don't even know where to start <laughs> because there's there's a lot of things. But but so the, the most important thing again here is that you need to have your own senses activated. So you need to be able to taste yourself, and you need to be good at tasting, because uh, else you won't be able to find you know what you're looking for. Um, so you need to have a trained palate that way. So before you go and and get go to the farm and and you know source any coffee, you want to have that. Um, how do you, how do you develop that? So there's um, I think. You need to kind of actuate. I think there is like a if you are if you um, a neurologist, you would be able to kind of pick up on, on certain centers in the brain and say, okay, this is um, this is this is a taste uh, this taste part of you or the or the aroma part of, of your brain. No, but how did you do it, or how did, how did uh, I do Sebastian? It? Yeah, yeah. Okay, like but yeah. So what I'm um, what I'm what I'm getting getting at is that that it's something you can you can kind of it's like a muscle you can work out in mm-hmm. your brain and. So it's something you can't do something about. And what I did like back, so then we go back to the days when I was a teenager and got into this food and wine thing. And I could just spend, I could spend 15 minutes just, um, just smelling um, or sniffing a, a wine, you know, um, without tasting it. I would just be like swirling it in my glass. I would sit home with my parents and just trying to detect the aromas. And then I would have a, a notebook beside me where I would write down the aromas. And after having done that for 15 minutes, um, I would start tasting. And then I would, ha- I would write down the, the flavor notes. And then finally I would make a general um, general conclusion on the wine. And this was, you know, this wasn't expensive wines. This was, you know, from the supermarket. But if, if I, you know, if I got a wine from Bordeaux, I kind of uh, talked my parents into buy wine from Bordeaux for like 80, 80 krona or something. You know, that was like the peak of my week, you know. So so that was how I trained it. Um, and it's still how I how, how I recommend people to, to, um, to train it. So you remember when I talked about I easily got obsessed with things. I think that's a good, <laughs> good uh, case study of that. Because um, I would do that for a long time, and I would do it with also if I got like f- at lunch in high school, I would I would just think about how does this banana taste like, and then I would because banana doesn't taste like just doesn't taste only of banana. Um, so then it would be that I remember I actually taste a little bit like peas, green peas. Did you're the right kind of crazy for coffee. <laughs> this, <laughs> is a, this is the perfect fit for you because it's it's. I mean, uh, if we if we pull it back to sort of like you said, tasting coffee, yeah, I, I can I can clearly see um, a direct line from 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 that mm-hmm. to your coffee today. Yeah. Um, but so you said you need to be good at tasting coffee, mm-hmm. and there's I'm sure there's certifications you can get, mm-hmm. but then there's the actual sort of journey of kind of caring about it enough, yeah, and being obsessed about it enough to. Kind of train yourself, yeah. So that when you sip a when you cup a coffee, mm-hmm. it's not just okay coffee, but there's like a lot more nuance in there. Totally, um, totally, and I think it's this is actually because I have also competed in coffee in the and we're gonna time. we're gonna talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but um, um, can we fast forward to that? Just let's do that. Let's, do that. let's talk about let's talk about because uh, that, that is all connected. Um, let's do that. Yeah. So when I was competing the last time. Um, because just just to give you credentials, how many times have you won 
The Danish Barista Championship? Uh, I won that twice. You won that twice. Um, yeah. Um, and, and you've competed in it how many times? Four times. Four times. That's pretty good. First time disqualified, then fourth place, and then uh, I've struggled yeah. to win. That's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, very good. Very, very, very uh, happy, and feel very fortunate. Yeah. So, so that's your background. So, talk about uh, the connection there. Yeah. So, 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 um, so what I think I so when you do these um, these competitions, you need to make a small kind of an a talk, like an essay kind of talk. When you wildly brew coffee, it's super stressful. <laughs> you have fifteen minutes to do twelve drinks and make a, a presentation that's really like worth listening to, and you know. Uh, um, you know, um, and then because I'm so, um, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm um, I, I try to go as like as uh, very easy to get very deep into my thought process of these things. So what I, so 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 what I realized was that when when we do these presentations, we talk a lot about the farm and the farmer um, and the roaster. Uh, and, and and the barista and all the things you can do with the coffee. So if you're a barista, you can you can you can do a different you can use different grinders to get different particle distributions, and you can extract it for a long time or a short time, higher lower temperature, and serve it in chilled cups. Or so you have to agitate it 20 times and then drink it. Uh, leave it uh, 20 minutes, 20 seconds on your palate, and then drink it. So you can do a lot of things there. And then if you go to the roaster level, you can do a lot of things there. The roasting, and if you go to the farmer level, you can do like multiple things back to the agricultural level where you can talk about the soil and the compost you use and the sun and the shade um, and the bees and the trees and you know so uh, which all is um, is legit and 100 percent makes sense um, but what I think is the most what I think kind of we sometimes forget when we talk about coffee is that we talk about all these things um, and we also say okay um, this coffee tastes like this. It tastes like um, red berries, um, Earl Grey tea, um, uh, caramel, for example. Um, but but what I think we just sometimes don't think about is that um, the best way really to to understand a coffee um, or understand whatever you get into a palate in general. Is um, is that um, it's um, how can you say? Um, you actually taste the the coffee cherry, like you actually taste. So if you get a coffee from Mexico, you actually taste Mexico, right? Yeah, it's a bit of Mexico that you get into your mouth, and you kind of detect. So in that way, you kind of get um, embedded <laughs> with Mexico in a way, um, and vice versa. Um, and um, and 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 let's just try for one second just to focus just on that part. Just that you're just tasting Mexico hundred percent right now. Get hundred percent a bit of Mexico in in your in your own ecosystem in a way. Uh, I think that thought was fascinating, and it's so. And when you start to like explain, okay, so this is um, grown at twelve hundred meters above sea level. It tastes like this and this and that. Um, it's grown by this and this, you know. Um, 
then we kind of um, losing it a little bit. We kind of losing the magic a little bit when we when we taste something, because you um, you're deconstructing it. Um, so and you're you're quantifying it almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're quantifying it. That's a good way to put it. I remember my my high school teacher did this as well with music. That was I, w- I had an argument with her like. Because I was used to playing um, music and it's all about you know listening and you know being in the moment and making you know making something magical in a way. And then she started like, you need to understand that this is a minor C uh, re- uh, chord. Else, I mean, th- this will open up the music for me for you. I was like, no, this is closing the music for me. Uh, and I mean, yeah, it's good to you know it's good to know how to read the chords and. But if you really, really want to understand the music, then you should just get rid of all that and just be present with it. Um, and we had, I think we never really got on terms with that. <laughs> um, but, but I think it's the same uh, with any kind of, um, with most things that when you start to quanti- quantify it, as you say, you, you start to lose it a little bit. Um, and it's not that I'm like, co- totally in opposition to doing that at all because um, it can also be helpful in many ways um, to, to kind of talk about things, for sure. But let's, let's just spend a little time just on <laughs> being present and like, really getting um, um, the, the, the connection with, with what, we're, what we are um, experiencing. Um, so, um, um, so that was really what that barista presentation um, was about, how to... Um, how we have have all these different layers from from barista to farmer to um, to soil, and then just then you end up realizing, okay, um, you just um, you're actually much more mm, in contact with what you're experiencing that you actually that you actually are aware of often. Um, how do we get into this? I have no idea. <laughs> but that's what that, that, uh, that's good. But but I, I really like that, and I really want to talk about the coffee. But so, something about the taste, how you how you taste. Yeah, and my my point was, with the, you started talking about the green beans, and I said, you know, <laughs> you said it's about uh, you need to have uh, you need to understand taste to find the right green beans and yeah. and all that. So, but yeah, okay. Well, yeah, the thing was about the banana and the peas, and how you kind of <laughs> realize, okay, uh, things are you know, things are not just. You know what you say it is, but but I think I think for me uh, and I and I and like uh, before we dive any deeper into it, I I really want to um, figure out because like the thing is like I have you in here. You've been working coffee now for many years. You've had your own your own place for a while. You've won barista championships and you've traveled the world for coffee now. Um, you know, as a regular person listening to this, when they walk into a coffee bar, yours mm. or someone else's. Mm. Um, they see the quantifiable stuff, yeah, yeah. right? It's like uh, whatever thousand, twelve hundred meters above sea level, all that. Uh, it's a geisha, or it's a not a geisha, or it's honey, or, uh, mm. this or what, you mm. know. Um, I think what I've always sort of appreciated about like your coffee, and there's a few other people who do it as well, mm. is that you cannot really go wrong, mm. you know, unless uh, you know, unless you really don't like coffee then don't come here but like mm. you know if you if you like coffee and you want to try some to experience something more uh you know you should check it out so let's start with the one with peter <laughs> uh, sure, sure. and and could you tell me about like how that came about because uh, we are 
we're sitting in the space where where Peter and Espen have recorded a lot of episodes uh, yeah. as well. So it could be fun to talk about like how that came about and what is special about that bag, and then we'll talk about the others. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Um, and if you could just say the coffee, because some people are listening to it and they're okay. not going to see it. So the name of this coffee is uh, El Diamante, um, La Florida, um, and 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 then um, so. When you have then you have had these kind of experience with coffee, and then we need to kind of uh, like this taste experience, and which is amazing, and you've kind of you've been in the moment with it, then you can th- start talking about why is that. Um, so, in coffee, we you can think about it, it, it as you have um, you have the, the genes, and then you have the environment of the coffee. So same with every other organism, right? So the genes would be the variety. And then the, the 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 environment would be like the the soil and the the trees and the bees and you know, all that, um, and um, and both things need to be be good and they need to buy, kind of work together also. So this coffee has uh, very distinct um, flavors of uh, some um, some uh, berries, uh, tropical fruits. I think it also has this uh, more very floral um, characteristics. Bit like tea, a uh, bit like actually. Um, to me, it's a bit like Earl Grey tea. So I had this kind of bergamot thing as well, and then it also has a cinnamon bun thing. Okay, so yeah, um, so we go from you know being one, being one with the coffee in a way, which you literally are, right? So now we have okay, what am I tasting? So what I just mentioned: berries, tropical fruits, cinnamon bun. All right, so how does that get in there? So we have the um, you have the the cinnamon bun. So. What this guy um, um, Esteban he does with the coffee is that he um, he ferments it in, in in tanks under anaerobic conditions, which means that it doesn't get uh, oxygen while it's fermenting. So uh, it's fermenting around forty eight hours in this environment, and that um, that's really what 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 he's claiming to give this um, cinnamon uh, flavor. Um, um, and and um, to be frank, there has been discussions if does uh, has something been added, like has cinnamon been added because it's so pronounced, or is it uh, because of this uh, process? And there's a dispute going, and I think there's no uh, like really clear answer. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be of either of those sides because um, I've heard uh, good arguments for both um, cases. Um, so some says okay. Um, some chemists have tried to measure it and say no, there's no cinnamon in it, and then others say like yeah, there has to be cinnamon in it. So, <laughs> sorry. Anyway, um, but let's now we're getting into coffee controversy. <laughs> let's let's go with the with the with you know uh, Esteban who who we bought the coffees from. This is his uh, claim, and and um, and um, yeah, uh, I don't want to. Um, if this is really true, I think it's also be really wrong to to claim uh, otherwise. All right. Um, then we have the berries, tr- tropical fruit, and that kind of Earl Grey thing. So then, at this point, we are back to the to the genome of the coffee, the genetics, the the variety. So this is characteristics of the geisha variety, really. Um, so this is what what brings out that that flavor. Um, um, but then it's really about um, uh, maybe one thing you got here is it's a natural as well. So that that's so what that means. It's yeah. Fermented. So. So, so it dries with the skin on, 
um, where you have the washed coffees, where you take off the skin and then you dry it, where the washed uh, natural coffees, you leave the skin on to dry for around two, three weeks. So it, it ends up looking like a raisin. And you can clearly imagine like that kind of very sweet uh, uh, skin of the cherry, how that will affect the, the flavor. Um, and it's also, when you have more sugars, it also activates uh, the fermentation. So you get these more fermented, um, kind of very sweet, fruity flavors. Um, so, all right, so what do we then have left? So then, then there's the, the microenvironment, which is kind of the, the soil um, uh, that has to be well-nourished. Um, um, and you have the, um, you have the, 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 the you know, how the, um, how the tree is above the, the ground as well. So has it, um, has it good conditions, conditions there? Does it get exposed to too much sunlight, for example? Um, um, and how's the soil? Is that uh, eroding? Um, for example, which impacts the quality of the, the genome in a way, mm. the quality of the, of, of the, of the of the of the geisha rice because you can also grow it where it doesn't get this potential because it hasn't been under the right conditions or the right environment um this is just the same with the altitude that you can't you can't you can't say okay all high-grown coffees are good and all low low-grown coffees are bad because it's also depend on the um, on um um uh, what's it called um like where they're grown i guess yeah so if you're closer to equator yeah um you know, it's more hot. So, like in in Kenya, you know, has to be higher grown because if it's lower, it's more warm, right? Yeah. But but it, in in Mexico, the same, the same. Um, it's a colder environment. So if you grow it at eight hundred meters, that might be the same at, as eighteen hundred in Kenya. Yeah. So so you can't you can't say that. But it, it has does have some effect depending on where you are in the world. So so you want it to have like a generally as long as grow period as possible because then you have longer time to develop the the, the nutrition in the in the cherries. <clears throat> so all these things um, matters at the farm, and then it matters like the, how careful you are when you process the coffee, when you depulp it. That means that you take up the, off the skin. Is the coffee damaged there? How long time do you dry it? Do you dry it dry it in shade? Do you dry it in sun? Um, uh, uh, so. So basically, there's a lot of things going into it, and of course, also how do you pick the cherries? So if you pick the, do you only pick the ripe ones? Do you also pick the overripe and the underripe? It also matters. Um, so I guess. Um, and we haven't we haven't roasted the coffee yet. We haven't roasted it yet. No. <laughs> so we're still, and uh, that's also kind of I I really like that you've gone into so much detail because I think, I think most people would never realize that so much goes into just buying the right quote unquote green beans mm-hmm. for you to roast right right uh, and 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 then so all of this has to work perfectly or to a certain amount of level of perfection <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then you decide to buy whatever green bean and and for this it was the geisha right for this one yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you bring it to Denmark mm-hmm. and and then you roast it yeah um, let's talk about the roasting a little bit okay. Um, and how how does Prolog do it? Like and mm-hmm. and and I think I I really do want to talk about sort of um, the different types of coffees you have mm-hmm. at the same time mm-hmm. and how you choose that as well. Mm-hmm. But let's get to it uh, in the right time. So how do you, how do you how do you guys roast and how was this one roasted? Yeah. So um, 
basically I'm I'm I can definitely talk about it, but I'm not I'm not the best to talk about it because it's Washi, our roastery manager, who's um, who's uh, now um, um, responsible for the um, he's in charge of both sourcing and um, roasting actually. So I, I used to be that, but but now it's Washi, so he will be able to to you know go into more details, but but um, generally. Mm, Generally, we have um, so we want to want it to be tasty and sense evoking, right? So you can say, "What is tasty, and what is tasty to you know? Is it tasty to everyone?" Like so, to a lot of people, mm, if you're not used to this kind of coffee, you wouldn't necessarily think just off the back this is tasty because you you have the expectation that coffee should be dark roasted, for example. Um, so that would take some time to convince you that this is actually tasty. But it's my experience that experience is that this is actually what happens when people kind of, you know, really kind of look back because it's just a better product and and it's going gone more care into it than you can taste that. But first off, most people would think, ah, this is not tasty because this doesn't taste like, you know, my normal coffee. Um so on the other hand, if we roast it too light, you wouldn't develop all the flavor. So green coffee in itself just tastes like um, green peas, grass, hay kind of thing. Um, and then when you start roasting it, you start to develop these Maillard, Stryker, uh, Stryker, uh, you go in this Maillard process and Stryker process, which essentially um, develops the carbohydrates and the protein in the, in the bean. And that's where the flavor starts to develop, and then you roast it up to um, to more around 200, little more than 200 degrees, in our case, and the pressure in the bean builds up the 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 um, water or steam pressure, so it starts to crack. And after it has cracked, the, the 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 water that was in the coffee can't contain the energy in the coffee anymore. Uh, from the sorry, the energy from the the heat that you exposed it to, so then the development of the of the aroma will start to go very fast that's where you go into the development phase which lasts around one two minutes um and the whole thing lasts around nine to eleven minutes and um and then you have to think uh, so if you are like some places you maybe roast for 20 minutes some you roast for three minutes but in our case it's around this time and at any point of this in this roast curve, you can, we call it a roast curve because we look at the, the the bean temperature throughout the the process, and that will kind of it lo- looks like a curve that goes um, that goes up. The temperature goes up and up and up, and it's it uh, slows down a little bit during the the the, the, the roast. And at all these points, you can you can you can you can make changes really, right? So at all these points in those ten minutes, whatever you do affects the flavor. Um, and then it's just really about um, experimenting and tasting. So all these, all the coffees that we roast, we we quality control and we score them. So we would score them on balance, on flavor, uh, like uh, aroma, um, and the, the um, um, aftertaste, uh, acidity, sweetness, bitterness, um, and then get a, a general score in the end. And is it is it is it how many people do it? Is it like one person? So all, all, it's, it's all the, the persons who roast the coffee. So we have Boisier and we have Nobu and we have Mikuai. 
and they all roast coffee. Um, and and Poache will have like the the final say, but he's also very you know very listening as well. So it's not like like this is my way. <laughs> we all work together in the company, and he also listens to what what the what the baristas say. So they have a they have a conversation as well. Um, and they they also score the coffees the baristas every day, and they can kind of they actually scored on the specific uh, roast profiles also. Um. So then when you've done that for a long time, you can start to see some patterns. Okay, for this coffee, when we did like this, this is what we got a little more acidity out of it, or we got a little more um, dryness out of it, or the, the aftertaste was longer. Um, so so that's, again, where you need to be good at tasting. And then you can start to see, you know, the patterns and and and, and, and slowly get it together and, and think that just takes that you work very meticulously with the product with with what you're doing and in a quite kind of in our case compromiseless way um so we just we we care about you know every single roast and the same way that we care about every single coffee that we serve and that's in the end what what makes it better it's not like one decision to like it's not like uh, you know there's not that one in the company says, okay, let's uh, do this, and then everyone got happy. You know, <laughs> That was the best idea we ever had. You know, It's really like the day-to-day work. That we just Every day, if you try to, to do your best, then in the end, you'll get something that's, that's good, right? That's what we believe. And, and to follow up on that, like you've got, uh, like how many different ones do we have here? We have got like three, right? Four? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then um, is there... Is this like? Do you have four coffees that are uh, kind of being being sold and served right now, mm-hmm. a- and like, w- or are there more? Um, I think we have around seven actually right now. So why seven? <laughs> and I mean, just to understand, because yeah. like, is there is it kind of like a collection, like in fashion, where you're like, okay, this is good now, and let's try it, yeah. or is it kind of you have a certain coffee you always keep bringing back, and and why not two, or why not one, or why not fifteen? I don't know. Just just wondering why you chose to do these seven and and how much goes thought goes in those. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have um, we've chosen to have always four different kinds of coffee. So, oh, okay. So we have a, like a, a sweet and round coffee. We have a fruity coffee. Um, we have a funky coffee, and we have a normally a crazy coffee also. What what defines crazy? <laughs> that is, uh, uh, it, it 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 just uh, tastes crazy. <laughs> is, is this one? Is this one the crazy one? The, the one. Yeah, uh, is is in that category because okay. it, it you when you taste it you think this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so that that would be um, that would be in that category and then and then but so so um so and then coffee also have a shelf life so a green coffee is developing its flavors also um for the good but also for the bad so. In the beginning, it normally gets better and better until it reaches a tipping point and it gets worse and worse. So we need to also have coffee that can kind of overlap um, when it gets, you know, now this starts to fade, then we need to bring in another coffee in. And we have a calendar to kind of, you know, figure out, okay, this coffee, should we should buy so much. And, and then it's not like we're not changing, okay, this is uh, this is the last kilo we have. Now we're going to the next one. So in that way, it m- kind of makes sense that we have 
actually around seven, eight coffees, two yeah. overlapping coffees at all times. It makes so much more sense now. I said, yeah. <laughs> now I get it why there's, uh, you know, always, like you said, around four kind of categories of varieties, yeah. if you want to call it that. Um, it would be a shame if I didn't ask you, uh, uh, one of the best baristas that I know at least, um, uh, what is the best sort of, for someone listening at home mm-hmm. who is, you know, maybe has a pour over or maybe maybe just has one of those... Uh, uh, mocha master or something like that c- kind of drip coffee machines right mm. um or is as crazy as i'm going to be and invest in a nice espresso <laughs> machine which uh, i'm excited for as well um uh espresso is a whole world so mm. like we can we can touch on that in a minute but um d- if you have some tips mm. uh and sort of uh you know if someone bought a coffee how fresh is is fresh how long should you wait Mm-hmm. You know, could you give some tips on like on how to make the best coffee you can at home? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so it's um, so yeah, you can definitely do some things where you can get the coffee to like I would say eighty percent, and then the last twenty percent is like um, you can spend the rest of your life on, right? So, but but if you just if you just say like the eighty percent, which is also um, very good, um, it's it's good coffee first of all. And then it's um, good water, good water. So that means, for example, if we live in Copenhagen, you don't want to use the tap water because there's um, there's um, there's um, basically it's not because what most people think because of the calcium level. That is not good for the equipment, but the, the the big problem in Copenhagen is really the the bicarbonate level, which is quite high, and which works as a and that really works as a buffer, and which means that it wants to buffer acids or alkaline, um, 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 into um, to reach a, a stable pH level around seven. And that means because because coffee is acid, it has a pH level around five point something, I think. It wants to make it uh, taste less acid, less fruity, more flat. So if you use the Copenhagen water, you just you very easily just get a flat tasting coffee. So you want to use some, you know, um, coffee from this supermarket. That's actually the, the the actually the only thing you can really do. Or as we do in the in the in the coffee bar, that we have a, a reverse osmosis system, where we um, filter all most most stuff in the water away, and that will make a massive improvement. Um, if you're uh, living in other places in the world where you um, have um, uh, water that is actually suited for coffee, then you can do that. So that that's not a big problem. Um, but 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 then you would have to kind of investigate. Okay, how is how is my water supplying uh, doing? Um, but what about using like a like a filter, like you know one of these filter th- things you get? Like so, anything that would improve the quality of the water, right? Yeah, anything that, that would that, yeah anything that would improve. The the problem with the normal um, normal filters, hardness filters you get is that it doesn't take the bicarbonate. It just takes the the, the, the calcium and and other hot uh, other components that is considered like hot. Um, so so it's it's not good enough, you can say. But if you live, for example, um, I guess um, where you do in the, in Jutland, in uh, close to Silkeborg, 
then then the coffee the water there is perfect like the water in Sugarbowl is perfect okay perfect so <laughs> you don't have to, i think you don't even have to do anything okay great so um but yeah and then so that's really the the, the then you are, i would say at least like 70% there and the last is um the last is actually like keep your equipment clean Actually, that's 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 the big thing. Because if you if you leave the um, as if you leave the um, if you leave the equipment with coffee oils and stuff like like that, you can easily taste that as well, and it's something that you easily forget about. I think so. At home, I I do like I have a Wilfer grinder, which is a quite pretty cheap grinder, and um and an Espro uh, French press, which is a French press with a little finer filter, and and then. I, I do have a scale actually, so I do measure how much coffee to water, and it's in around the ratio one to sixteen point six. So if I do, um, if I do um, um, sixty grams of coffee, I want uh, a liter of water. So around that ratio, but I'm not like, you know, if that's if I use you know fifty five grams, or you know, it d- doesn't really matter. And I I, I just I have a coarse grind setting. Which means that that the sweet spot for where when the coffee is extracted is very large, as opposed to if you have a very fine grind setting, that then the sweet spot then will extract much faster, so the sweet spot will be much smaller. And I just I don't really care how how long it steeps. Sometimes it steeps for four minutes, sometimes it steeps for twelve minutes. Um, but it's always kind of tasty. And I I, I actually I also just use the tap water mm. at home. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I don't get, I don't maybe even get to eighty percent. I don't think that doesn't uh, sound like it. No. But 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 um, but then you know, um, at a certain point, I was even drinking uh, instant coffee at home when we opened Prolog. Oh wow! Because I was, um, I just needed to have time off. <laughs> you I, know? Yeah. I need to have time off from uh, from uh, from coffee focus. No, but that so. makes <laughs> yeah, and and I think like a lot of my friends and family uh, are are like also shocked sometimes when I'm like. Yeah, it's fine. I'll have Nescafe. I don't really care, like instant coffee, yeah. because sometimes you're just like, okay, I, I'm not in the like if I'm visiting family or some friends who are not into coffee as much as I am. Yeah. I don't want to be the asshole that's like, no, oh, no. oh, let me step aside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me get my origami out with the Wilfa and like mix everything up and open this bag. I'm sure, not. I don't want to sure. do that. No. But uh, it's uh, yeah, it's also okay to have bad coffee sometimes if you just want to break. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and it's again like. Again, I, I don't want to say that. I don't want to. I don't want to say that it's. I don't like saying it's bad coffee, and I, I don't like to, in general, like judge people who drink, you know, Gavalia or like you're you're like you're drinking bad coffee. I, I don't. I don't even want to go down that alley. Um, 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 so so I'm I'm in in no way I'm like um, I'm I'm not I'm not interested in drinking that coffee either. And I think it can be, you know, can taste fine. Um, so, um, so that again, I think again, that's that's not why we're doing what we're doing. We're just trying to. We we're not trying to 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 save coffee. To be honest, we're trying to give people the best possible experience, and that, in that way, it's connected with all these things. And that way, you do want to save coffee, but, but we're not in a in a crusade, you know, um, to um, to. To save, um, yeah. to save the world. Um, That's I, I like the honesty in that. That's good, uh, but you are focused on sustainability quite a bit. Mm. Um, 
and I think uh, we're almost one and a half hour in. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> we have about uh, a few more minutes left. But I, I think it could be really nice, you know, the last part of the interview, uh, of the chat interview. So mm-hmm. formal. <laughs> it's not an interview. <laughs> it's a chat. Uh, the last part of this conversation to sort of talk about um, how does Prolog think about sustainability yeah. uh, and, and, and how coffee is a very unsustainable industry mm-hmm. uh, uh, in general. Um, I, I don't know the exact metrics, but uh, I'm sure I'll, I can put something mm-hmm. in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of uh, ways in which coffee is trying to get better. Mm-hmm. But how, what is Prolog doing in that and, and how do you guys uh, see sustainability in your, in your way? Yeah. Um, so this is something I think is extremely difficult um, in general to talk about uh, sustainability because um, I think the results we get in is also pointing at different uh, solutions and the one solution that can sound like the right one at, at one moment in time um, half a year later it can be the right the wrong uh, path to go down so we that's a that's a big problem and it's a very important point you bring up because yeah. wh- what the hell are you supposed to do <laughs> exactly and uh, that also sometimes pisses me a little bit off to be honest that uh, when we talk about you know being sustainable, it, it seems like sometimes we just kind of copy each other. So, so it's not as much about really being sustainable. It's more about about like showing that you're sustainable. yeah the branding or the yeah. PR part of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it, and that that just pisses me a little bit off because then I don't I'm not really sure what you're interested in. Are you interested in being sustainable? Or are you interested in in kind of you know you know, being popular or being, you know, um, or, or, or surviving in, 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 as a company. And, 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 and to me, that's that's not good enough. Um, so, um, so I think what, 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 what's most important in product is that we, something that we really try to investigate because we think it's, we think it is important that we are really sustainable because we live off the nature in that way, right? So, um, so, so if the nature isn't, you know, we just don't have the nature, there's no, there's no product and we can't make anyone happy and we can't be happy. Um, so that way it's, it's embedded in our company that we need to think about these things. Um, so, so we have, we have applied for a B Corp certification, for example, where you are, where you are measured on different things from governance to environmental impact to customer, worker impact, uh, community impact. So, so we have done a lot of, I would say, like groundwork. Um, and that's, I think that's just basically just essential groundwork. I'm not necessarily agreeing 100% with everything in B Corp. Uh, I think there's also something there you can't discuss. And I think, so, so, um, so, but I think the most important thing is just that you, you keep, you keep, um, you keep thinking about okay, what is actually the, where do I actually do the most impact? Um, and um, I think a lot of those things I represented in B Corp, for example, um, or at least pointing towards it. For example, is it good to have like, um, um, is it good to have like um, any minimum wage? Yes, I think it is definitely good. I think you, for baristas, it should be much higher than it is today because she says it's a super hard job. 
uh, and also I think it's a very important job. Um, so, and that's maybe something we did see through co- during Corona that it was actually important for people to to have a place to come and visit, uh, you know, somebody you could talk to. Um, so there is a lot of, of great things there. Um, I am concerned sometimes though that 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 you know if we just said okay we're going to get this B Corp certification and then we're good enough then you then fine. Um, I'm concerned about that kind of. Um, um, how can you how can you call mentality it? maybe or yeah yeah um, you need to I think we need to all the time think about this in in from different angles so you don't get this kind of um, um, one sided look at 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 the problems um, um, or how to or how to behave good or bad um, and so so I I I I recently actually just wrote down to myself some things about this because I'm honestly quite s- confused sometimes about how to be sustainable. And I think the conclusion to myself was that as much as it's good to have some kind of certification and kind of uh, to, 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 to keep, in, in a way, keep yourself accountable, it's even more important that we don't adhere too much to one thing. Because um, we just not we we just not I think clever enough at this point to draw that conclusion. So while we are steering towards you know something, we also want to have our, our our eyes open towards what could be in the horizon that actually makes more sense. Um, and that's of course a very kind of you know <laughs> how do, how do you then steer the steer the boat in a way right? But but it doesn't make sense. It's also it does. I mean, and I and I think I I really appreciate you saying it like that because I think a lot of companies um, are in that exact position. Big companies as mm-hmm. well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of them do it for the PR. Oh yeah. Uh, and and they're like, oh, we are certified so and so. And uh, maybe sometimes you invent a certification, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, yeah. and 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 put it in your packaging. Uh, and and I think I think there's a fine balance between sort of greenwashing or or, or if you want to take it to a different direction now, sort of um, rainbow washing. You mm-hmm. know, uh, <laughs> your brand didn't give a shit about uh, LGBTQ rights, mm-hmm. uh, but suddenly because it's cool and important. And might get some there's customer. money in it. Yeah, there's money in it. Right. Uh, you know, uh, companies are, are are putting up a beautiful uh, Instagram posts with rainbows everywhere, right? Yeah. And I think um, I, I'm not saying that you should not do that. Like, it's fine. Mm. You know, if if it makes somebody happy, great. But it is exactly that sort of mentality of sort of you know you're surfing. Yeah. You're not. You're not. You know, there's a lot of things that can change. Uh, and also, as long as you have like the right attitude, mm. that like something like sustainability, something that sort of like has impact on other human beings, mm-hmm. how you are, your ethics, mm-hmm. right? It's an ever-evolving issue. And it as is. long as you're sort of keep your ego out of it mm-hmm. as much as possible and try to focus on, you know, improving it all, yeah, <laughs> right? And saying that, yeah, we, we're not going to be right. Mm-hmm. That, is, that, is, that is the foundation. 
Yeah. Like, can we be less wrong every exactly, day? Exactly, exactly. Can we be like a five percent less wrong? Exactly. And f- uh, okay, now shit, that was one percent less wrong. Okay, like, like can yeah. we get better and better and better? Yeah. And then maybe in twenty five, thirty years or, or or less, whatever, you can look back and say, wow, well, we did a lot. Exactly. It's the analogy that I get is kind of like trekking, like climbing mm-hmm. a mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was sixteen, uh, I climbed uh, one of the highest peaks in India. We didn't make it all the way up, but we made it pretty g- a pretty good way of the way up. I think mm-hmm. we got to about almost 6,000 meters above mm-hmm. sea level. The peak uh, is about 7,668. Uh, mm-hmm. You remember the peaks you don't climb. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I remember we had we one of the sort of last stretches we that we made. Um, we woke up at about 3 in the morning mm-hmm. or 2.30, and we started walking, walked about 7, 8. We wanted to make it for sunrise mm. to the to the sort of this part of the peak. Um and we made it there by whatever, 6, 37, 8 o'clock, whenever sunrise was. Mm-hmm. And then we turned around and walked back down. And we were like, how much did we walk? Yeah. Because you were only had the torchlight on and it was all dark. And mm-hmm. you're just walking and trekking. And you see the other person's back. And you're just going tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you're like, oh, we've done a lot. Mm-hmm. But if in the darkness you say, okay, we made it. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. Or you have some other, you know, mm-hmm. you're tired so you stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you won't you won't get the same reward at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a great place to end it. Uh, yeah, and, and, think, and again, that comes back to that you know philosophy thinking part that that you need we we need to have that 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 is really embedded the whole way down to the sustainability thing because if we just if we just leave that out, stop thinking and just like going with you know whatever is is is, is the fashion, um, you know, that's just not product. So awesome. Yeah. Uh Jonas, thanks so much for your, for making the time and for coming on and for for enlightening us in, in <laughs> about coffee a little bit and also about yourself. Uh yeah, everybody should go to Prologue, should order the coffee and uh should go say hi to Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Keith. Appreciate it. Most welcome. Bye everybody. Take care. Cool. That was fun. Yeah.